0: Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It's not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken... Do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, You are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If I'm not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained, and many came to him. And they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. This is the word of God. So I want to greet uh, Mukunji Campus, who's joining us live this morning, and all of you online, and of course everyone here in Bethlehem. And today's message is the seventh in our series. It marks the halfway point, both in the book of John and in our series, uh, that you may believe. And we've been looking at John's good news through the prism of Jesus's signs and his I am statements. And with every one, we're asking, how does this passage point to true life in Jesus? That's kind of our interpretive key as we go through this. And so what's interesting about this passage is that this is actually the tail end of Jesus's last public address in the book of John. After this point, he teaches privately with his disciples. And it's a continuation of the discussion that he's been having with the Pharisees in chapter 9 that we covered last week. And so Don't forget that the the, the chapters and verses that we have in our modern Bibles, they're not actually part of Scripture. They're put in later to help us navigate the Scriptures. And so this is not a, a break, and he's talking about something different. It's a continuation of the same address. And so as we keep that in mind if we keep that context that Jesus, he's he's still speaking after having healed the man born blind and he's talking to the Pharisees uh, and he's, he's responding to how the people and the Pharisees reacted to his healing that man, we keep that context in mind. It's going to help us unravel some of what Jesus is talking about here. So we're following that sign in chapter nine and now we encounter two of Jesus's I am statements in one chapter. So we get a twofer this morning. He says, I am the door of the sheep or the gate of the sheep, and I am the good shepherd. And so the title of the message today is shepherd's gate. And we're going to look at three things. Number one, the living door. Secondly, the better shepherd. And thirdly, the wayward sheep. So firstly, Jesus is the living door. Now, whenever I think of today's I am statements, it reminds me of an interaction I had with a, with a church member uh, a few years ago when we lived in Prague, um, not, not too far from where the conflict is happening right now, uh, and we know a lot of people that are helping with that um, right now, but every time I think of this statement, I am the door, it makes me think of this, this, this one interaction I had, and it was... Um, I was in a little Bible study that met at a local Chexican restaurant. which is a mix between Czech food and Mexican, which is every bit as bad as it sounds. <laughs> and um, and uh, so this, this person in this Bible study was he was kind of really aggressively um, arguing that the Trinity is not biblical. The word is not there, and we need to take every single word of Scripture absolutely, literally, exactly the way it's written. And so I said, okay, so are you saying there's no metaphor at all in the Bible? He says, no, 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 we have to take it exactly as it's written. We must interpret it literally. So I said, so when Jesus says, I am the door, am I meant to interpret that that he's a rectangular piece of wood? And we all laughed, and it was funny, but the the point came across, right, that um, this is is a little bit of a strange statement, and I think of all the I am statements, this has got to be the most pedestrian of them. You know, the first one is, I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the resurrection and the life, and here, he's a door. (laughs) And so... When we try and get to the bottom of what he's talking about here, we we confront a few questions. Now, first of all, when he says, I'm the door, he says that all that came before me who entered by different means were nothing but thieves and robbers, he says. Now, surely he's not talking about the prophets or the, the great heroes of scripture. So who is he talking about? And um, just as when, when uh, Julius Osunge talked about chapter 8, and it was, it was key to understanding chapter 8 to realize that Jesus is talking in the midst of the Feast of Tabernacles, it's important in this passage to realize that Jesus is talking in the midst of the Feast of Dedication, that um, more commonly today are referred to as Hanukkah. And so, Hanukkah was not one of the feasts laid down by the law of Moses. And actually, in Jesus' day, it was still relatively recent. It was celebrating the cleansing and the rededication of the temple in uh, 164 BC when the Maccabees um, defeated Antiochus Epiphanes, who was this, this kind of tyrannical Syrian emperor who had entered the temple and conducted pagan worship. And so he was called in scripture the abomination of desolation. And so, okay, what does that have to do with what Jesus is saying? Well, after the Maccabees had done that, and of course, if you're familiar with the Apocrypha, there's two books of the Maccabees. And after the Maccabees had done that, um, they were installed as a new line of kings. Even though they weren't Part of David's line. They weren't part of the tribe of Judah. They were set up as kings. And they were placed, um, on them was placed all sorts of messianic hope because they'd done very messianic things. They had defeated foreign uh, oppressors, they had cleansed the temple. And so the people said, well, maybe these, this is the Messiah. And yet the Maccabean line of kings, it only lasted about 100 years. And then you've got the Herodian kings that come in. So Herod comes in, and Herod was only, you know, like part Jewish anyway, and, and, and um, Herod turns out to be this horrible tyrant, as we all know, uh, from the gospel stories. And so all of that is opened up to us as we realize that Jesus is talking in the midst of Hanukkah. And the reference for us, it's a little bit buried in history, but as Jesus is talking to his audience, the reference would have been quite clear. And so Jesus is saying all of these previous so-called saviors and messiahs and kings were nothing but imposters. They were nothing but thieves and robbers out to steal, kill, and destroy. At, at worst, that's what they were. At best, he says they were like hired servants, that when uh, the heat turned on, they, they, they run away. And so, okay, that's a pretty bold thing for Jesus to say. Um, he calls Herod a fox in other places, and you know he, he's pretty outspoken uh, that, that he is Lord and no other king or Caesar or emperor is a true Lord. And so that's, that's a pretty radical thing to do. But you think, OK, what does that have to do with me today? <laughs> so let's think about how Jesus is using this figure of speech. How exactly is a king like a door? That's not an obvious parallel. Well, if you think about the function of a king, or really you can think about the function of any government, what is the purpose of government? Really, government is to protect its people and to provide for its people. That's the point, really, of any government. That's the social contract that is supposed to legitimate uh, the rule of a government. And so a door... Like a king, Jesus pictures here both as a protective barrier and as a gateway to provision. And you say, well, we don't have kings anymore, Ian, You know, and we're Americans. We're, uh, we're, we're bred to be distrustful of government anyway. So again, what does this have to do with us? Well, I think here's what Jesus is getting at. Who or what do you look for for your ultimate security and provision. Because, just like sheep, we are utterly dependent beings. And we're going to get to that more as we go along. But no matter how self-made of a person you think you are, the reality is we cannot, we've cannot. we got no other choice but to depend on other things and people to survive, let alone to, to, to flourish. And so as a human being, you're left with no choice but to place your sense of security, to place your ultimate hope of provision in something or someone. And so that becomes your gate of protection. It becomes your gateway of provision. You could say it becomes your king, your master, your lord. And so what Jesus is saying is, Every king but him will eat you alive. And I think the author David Foster, David Foster Wallace said it really well. Uh, in 2005, he gave a commencement speech at Kenyon College, and he says this, not a Christian, by the way. He says, everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And an outstanding reason for choosing some sort of God to worship is that pretty much everything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you'll never have enough. Never feel you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you'll die a million deaths before they finally plant you. Worship power. You'll feel weak and afraid, and you'll need even more power over others to keep the fear at bay. Worship your intellect. Being seen as smart and you'll end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. I think that's a profound insight. But here's Jesus, and he says, "I am a king who has come not to steal, kill and destroy, but to give life. Not to destroy, but to restore." And all of this in abundance. Perisos. And so there's, there's, there's another further layer to this word picture. When we think of shepherds, we think of these you know, great wide open fields. And, and, and that's part of the, 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 the picture here. But um, in Middle Eastern villages, what would happen was families... Uh, would not have these massive flocks. They'd have a few sheep, and they would share a sheep pen. And um, it would be between houses. It would almost be like a courtyard with a, with a wall that would often have vines on top of it. And so you've got a protective wall, and there was only one way in and out. That was the entrance. But it wasn't uh, guarded with a door. They didn't have a physical door on it. Rather, the shepherd himself would sleep across the entranceway, so that the sheep wouldn't wander out and no intruders could get in without waking him up. So I guess Jesus is the door after all. (laughs) And so this is why we can sum it up this way. Jesus himself is the refuge and abundance we desire. Jesus himself is the refuge and abundance we desire. The gateway to real security, to real provision, to divine favor. It's not something that Jesus gives us. It's not something we get through him. It is him. The gateway to salvation and divine favor. It's not in copying Jesus's example. It's not In fulfilling certain religious ceremonies, it's not in having orthodox beliefs, it's not in the sacraments, it's not in exercising the spiritual gifts, it's not by righteous living, it is Him. He is the door, there is no other door. The shepherd Himself is the door. But how can he make this kind of claim? How can he possibly say, I'm the only king that can offer you something like this? Well, in his second I am statement, we get Jesus' reasoning for this claim. And so it brings us to our second heading here. Jesus is the better shepherd. Now, if the image of a door seemed a bit flat, uh, sorry, (laughs) so sorry. The image of a shepherd... Uh, there's there's a huge amount of depth and incredible richness in Scripture that is attached to the image of a shepherd. So we should first of all point out there was this royal allusion to a door. Well, there's there's even a stronger royal allusion to the image of a shepherd because um, ancient kings were thought of as shepherds. Um, if if anyone was into the Egyptians as a kid and you saw You know, Tutankhamun's uh, sarcophagus, you know, he's holding a shepherd's crook. And so, um, ancient kings were seen as shepherds of their people. And because we know Jesus is talking to the Pharisees here, that points us not to just kings in general, it points us to a very specific shepherd king, which is David. And of course, the first thought that they would have had, the first thought that we have in thinking about David and shepherding is Psalm 23, probably probably the most well-known portion of Scripture. You know, it's read at uh, funerals and, you know, lots of people have heard of the Lord is my shepherd. And so um, Psalm 23, the shepherd is God. It's God who provides, who leads, who protects, who restores. And so there's there's this implicit incarnational language in that psalm. God is the shepherd walking and leading and protecting. and, and, um, And so God is physically present, walking with the sheep. And there's also this messianic Uh, uh, allusion in there because David was the shepherd, and so Jesus is tying himself to both of those things. He's tying himself to God as the good shepherd, and he's tying himself to David as the messianic king. And so the implication, when Jesus stands there and says, I am the good shepherd, the Pharisees would have found that a very obvious uh, claim. And so that, that explains why they go on to say uh, this guy must be crazy. <laughs> and, and they go on to ask him, okay, Jesus, just tell us. Speak plainly. Are you the Messiah or not? And Jesus says, I have told you. And you want to ask Jesus, where did you tell them? Because he, he never just outright spells that out. He speaks in these kinds of ways using figures of speech and parables. And, and um. So I want to explore this a little bit. How is it that Jesus can say, I have already told you? Well, here is where that saying, I am the good shepherd, it goes much, much deeper. And this is why, all right? So this is something I mentioned uh, briefly in the Advent series, but not everyone would have, would have heard it. And so you have the symbol of the good shepherd in Psalm 23. But what we see is, as you follow the narrative of scriptures, that that imagery gets picked up and expanded, and, and the, the revelation of God as good shepherd is progressively expanded as we go into the prophets um, leading up to Jesus' coming. So Psalm 23, we have God the good shepherd, we have us the, the, the sheep. Um, in Jeremiah 23, we also find the image of a good shepherd. And we also find an image of bad shepherds, and I don't have time to read the whole passage. But Jeremiah twenty-three, um, starting from verse one, he's pro- Jeremiah pronounces woe on the bad shepherds of Israel who've scattered the flock and not attended to them. So the implication is Jesus is calling the Pharisees the bad shepherds in Jeremiah twenty-three. So how does God respond? What's the the answer to the problem of the bad shepherds in Jeremiah 23? Here's what God says. Because you've scattered them, because you've not attended them, it says, I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. And then it says, I will raise up a king who will be known as... Yahweh, our righteousness. And so we see this, this, this theme that's picked up and expanded, and we get to find out a little bit more of what God wants to do. But then there's more. That same thread gets picked up in Ezekiel 34. And here we get an even much more expanded passage, and it becomes clearer. Here, not only we see a, a good shepherd, we not only see bad shepherds, but we also see wayward sheep. And God addresses the sheep themselves. So the problem is not only that there's bad shepherds who have not taken care of the flock and done their duty towards the flock, but the problem is also that the sheep are rebellious. And so what is God's response? Here's what he says. This absolutely blows my mind. He says, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he's among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all places where they've been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and strong I will destroy I will feed them in justice. I will rescue my flock. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David. He shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their guide. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. Now I don't know if you caught there that in the very same breath, God over and over again repeats, I myself will do this. I myself, I myself, I myself, I myself. And then he says, and I will set up a human messianic Davidic king who will be the single shepherd. So which is it, God? Are you yourself going to do it? Or are you going to send a Messiah to do it? And the answer is Jesus. (laughs) You know, Ezekiel's writing after David is dead So he's not talking about a literal David. He's talking about a son of David. Someone from the tribe of Judah who will at once be a Davidic messianic king and somehow be God himself in the flesh. And so Jesus says, I am that better shepherd who doesn't devour the flock, but feeds the flock who doesn't scatter the flock, but draws them in. And I love that he adds, he doesn't just make them lie down. He says, he will lay his life down for them. See, when the, when the shepherds turned bad, God became our shepherd. And when not only the shepherds were to blame, but the sheep themselves, God the Son became a lamb willing to lay his life down for us. And so this is where these two metaphors combine. Jesus proves he is our true shepherd by becoming our lamb. And of course, the words of Isaiah 53, 6 and 7 say, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And here in John chapter ten we see Jesus say, I lay my life down for the sheep. And he does it as a sheep. <laughs> And so he's not only the God that won't eat you up as you serve him, but he's the only one who allows himself to be eaten up for our sake. Jesus becomes the Passover lamb. And if you remember the story of the Passover, they had to actually eat the lamb as part of the whole deal. (laughs) And so the lamb is consumed. And so why? Why does he do this? Well, the consistent emphasis through all this is relationship. Jesus, the good shepherd, he's, he's unlike all these other kings, even if they're, they're not malicious necessarily, they're just hirelings. They're, they're ultimately more concerned about themselves than, than other people. And yet Jesus says he's not in it for something he can get out of this. He's in it for the sheep. Just as he's the door, the gate of protection and provision for us as sheep, we are his prize, his beloved flock as a shepherd. And it says he knows us. We belong to him. He he calls us individually by name. And if you've never done this, I encourage you to do it. Where he says, my sheep know my voice, that's a real thing. YouTube it, all right? Um, I did that yesterday. And it's so cool to see you can get all sorts of people calling out the, you know, the, doing the sheep call and the sheep kind of ignore it. And then the shepherd comes and does the call and they all run in. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. And so <laughs> Jesus leads us not by driving us, you know, and, and with, with sheepdogs nipping, nipping at our heels. He leads us by walking out in front of the sheep and leading them. And the sheep follow him. And so it brings us to our last heading here, which is the wayward sheep. Because I don't know if you've thought about this, um, but if you recite, the Lord is my shepherd, well, that makes you a sheep, right? Now, if I say, you're such a sheep, it's not a compliment, is it? Right? No one wants to be a sheep. Why? Because <laughs> sheep are really dumb animals. And um, I, I don't have a vast personal experience of sheep, but growing up in the English countryside, there are a lot of sheep. And, you know, the the interactions I've had with them have led me to the conclusion that they're not particularly majestic animals. <laughs> All right? Their noise is really annoying. They're, you know... They're they're just they're dumb, slow, and helpless, (laughs) and they smell. Yeah, and so (laughs) um, I I think the most majestic picture of a lamb is is the Moravian seal. You know, our lamb has conquered. It's really cool. I like that. Um, But you know, I've never seen seen a lamb like that in real life. Um, Now, beyond what I've seen. When I look in the reference books, they'll tell me um, there's not a lot of animals that are as useless in the wild as a sheep. They basically have no ability to defend themselves and they stick together in flocks so they're easy to spot. They're they're, they're really easy prey. And so apparently, um, (laughs) when they get lost, when they get separated from that that flock, they, they go absolutely insane. and and freak out. And even when the shepherd goes and finds them, they can't calm them down. What What they have to do is knock them on the floor and tie their legs up and swing them over their shoulder. And that's the only way to bring them back. And so, huh. You know what I love? This is another thing for you to Google. Google the oldest images of Jesus. And what you'll find among those images, the oldest depictions of Jesus from the catacombs in Rome are Jesus as the good shepherd. It's Jesus with a lamb or, or, or a, a sheep um, around his shoulders. And I've always thought if I ever got a tattoo, I'm not planning on getting one, but, you know, I always thought if I got a tattoo, that's, that's what I'd want. <laughs> and so, um, someone's like, oh, that's cool. Someone's like, oh, my gosh. You know, so, According to Jesus, there's, there's some humbling news here for us because what he's saying is, okay, we've talked about, you know, Jesus loves us enough that he's willing to give himself for us and, and there's, you know, there is a, a, a incredible worth and value to humanity and yet he's saying that spiritually we're not majestic lions. We're not, you know, intelligent dolphins or, you know, elegant Antelope. We're dumb, slow, stubborn sheep. (laughs) And without a shepherd, we are utterly, utterly lost. And we have no way to fend for ourselves. We have no way to provide for ourselves what we really need. And so we're extremely vulnerable. And so it makes me think, if, if, if I'm a sheep, if you're a sheep, well, how, <laughs> if Jesus is saying, you're a sheep and I'm the shepherd, and that's my reality as a sheep, well, it kind of makes you think, well, how can I really know that I'm okay? How can I know that I'm, I'm in the fold and I'm, I'm, that I'm saved, I'm safe? And there's a lot of people who have heard Jesus's voice they they they've made a commitment to follow him and yet you, you you live in dread that one day you'll stand before him and he'll say depart from me i never knew you go with the goats not with the sheep and if that thought has ever struck you it's it's a terrifying thought but i want to tell us that for all us humble sheep there's an equally glorious piece of good news for us here. Because as Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, he says he's the one that goes out and finds the lost sheep and binds them up and carries them home. He's the one that seeks out the wayward sheep. And you know what? This is our last point here, that Sheep cannot be lost in the shepherd's arms. If you're in the shepherd's arms, there's no possible way for you to be lost because you're home. You're with the shepherd. You're with the very one who is there to to protect and guide and love and care. And so, in the shepherd's arms, it's impossible to be lost. And so to all the lost sheep scattered around the world, this is what he says. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who's given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the father's hands. I and the father are one. And so here's huh, what this passage tells us is that we can be utterly confident in our salvation. We can be utterly confident in our standing in God, not because there's anything that I can look to in me as the evidence of that, but because Jesus is the one carrying me. Someone says, are you a Christian? You say, well, I I hope so. I'm trying. Right? Right? what are you doing when you say that? You're looking at yourself, you're looking into your heart, and you're saying, I'm looking for the evidence in my life and character that will prove for sure that I really am a Christian and that I really do belong to Jesus, but that's the wrong place to look. The the, the evidence that you're safe is not looking at the sheep, it's looking at the shepherd's arms. And if you're in the shepherd's arms, you have absolutely no reason to doubt or be afraid. You can be absolutely secure. It's impossible to be lost when you're carried in his arms. And so, I'm bringing this to a close and we'll have the, the, the worship team come back up. For all of us who are searching for a gateway. A gateway of protection, of, of true peace in the chaos of the world. For all of us who are searching for that place of, of provision, of, of, of meaning and purpose and flourishing in life, Jesus says, I am that living door. A gateway Of safety that absolutely nothing can challenge. And I'm a gateway to an abundance that absolutely nothing can threaten. And Jesus says, I can say that, I can make that claim because I am the better shepherd. I'm the only shepherd who isn't out to steal, kill, and destroy. In fact, I'm the only one who's willing to give my life to destruction so that you could be saved. Listen to my voice. Follow me. And when you're in my arms, absolutely nothing can take you away from me. if you're in his arms, you can rest assured in your salvation. You can know. You don't only have to hope. You can know. And the evidence is him. It's not you. You know what a weight is? (laughs) A weight uh, that's lifting off your shoulders right now? You can not only hope, but you can know that you're safe as long as you're trusting in his arms, not yourself or anything else. And so that is, that's good news if you're a person that, that has heard his voice and is following him, but you still have that sense of, uh, do I really know? How can I really know that I'm saved? Well, put your eyes on him. Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent and all who looked on him would not be condemned, but would be saved, as long as you, your eyes are fixed on Jesus, that is the sure hope Of your salvation. And for those of us who might be listening to this online or in person um, who have never responded to the voice of Jesus, I believe He's inviting you right now. He says, I've got sheep scattered everywhere in all different parts of the world, and I'm gathering them in to my, my flock. And so if you're hearing his voice right now, you can respond to him right now. You don't have to wait until you're good enough. He's come out to you to invite you in wherever you are. And so to respond to his voice, you simply say, you can pray to him and talk to him and say, Jesus, I'm sorry for the sheep that I am. (laughs) That I've tried to make my own way apart from you. Thank you, Jesus, that you loved me so much that you came out to rescue me, that you died for me so that I could have new life. And Jesus, today, I commit myself to follow you. Please make me your sheep, your child. Amen. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info,